On this episode of Scale Talk. You mentioned the tested video that I did, and that's coming up on, in May, it'll be two years since I did that. But when that yeah. video came out, um, this was, you know, that, that tested video was like, you know, like a life highlight, man. That was like, never thought in a million years that would ever happen. Never felt worthy of sure. it, even when it did happen. Scale Talk Podcast with David Miniatures. Hey guys, welcome to episode six of Scale Talk Podcast. I'm David Miniatures, and today I'm joined by Chris Rayleigh of Root9 Signs. Uh, I've been following Chris for quite a while. Uh, most of you may know him from his appearance on Tested with Norm. Um, I believe that's where I discovered him. Uh, he makes these really cool vintage signs from all over the US. Um, and who's better to intro Chris than Chris himself? So here's Chris. Tell the audience a little bit about yourself if they don't know who you are, and then we'll take it from there. Okay, well, thank you for having me and, and for being a, a guest kind of early on in this podcast run. I, I figured you, if you ever got to me, it would be kind of like when you like run out of other people to talk to. But they, thank <laughs> yeah. you for having me. No, um, of course. Yeah, the tested video, that was a lot of fun. We can talk about that a little later. But about me, uh, my name is Chris Raley. I'm a miniaturist from Fresno, California. I'm a, a stay-at-home dad. Uh, I do this kind of in a very rare spare time. My normal job is taking care of a teenager with severe disabilities. So this is um, just, it's something that I get to do. It's kind of a little bit of an escape for me. And it has really changed my life in a, in a lot of ways. But like my little That's escape, awesome. something to do here at home. For sure. So. Like we all, you know, like we we take care of others, but we need we need our own little escape too. And uh, Correct. It, it's funny, like I'm, I'm going to deviate a little bit. Um, sure sort of stay in the same realm but i find it funny because someone um this made me think of something someone i think messaged me on instagram or, or something like that and they mentioned like wow like your kid or your wife or whatever like they must just sit in your workshop and just watch you work and like they must be so fascinated and i'm just like no one cares <laughs> like no one cares yeah um honestly like the only person that's really interested in my work is my mom um just because she's an artist as well and she also makes miniatures and like that's sort of where i got it um like everyone else thinks it's cool you know they're like oh wow you're doing so well like oh you have followers like whatever you know it's like a different kind of you know excitement but in terms of like my son being like hey dad can i sit in your workshop and watch you work like he could not care less he's like right. if, you know I, i'd have it would it would have to sort of be forced like as a punishment like right Right. You're sitting in my shop and you're watching me today. Like that's your, you know? Yeah. I have people who say, oh, I want to see a picture of your workshop. I want to come by and see where you work. And I'm like, no, no. Well, one, having a child with special needs and, and visitors, it's not, a, not the best. Yeah. You can't just have people over. Yeah. Correct. And, um, and two, my quote workshop is wherever I can mm -hmm. sit and work. So if you see some of the stuff that I've made, the vast majority of it, has been made sitting at my kitchen table. What if it's not if it's not something that's currently on the laser or on the 3D printer or being painted, a lot of times mm -hmm. I'm sitting at my kitchen table working so that I can keep an eye on my son. I have this area mm -hmm. behind me, which is a desk and almost more of a like an interview area when I've done a couple of podcasts or when I shoot a little bit of video. But um yeah. I work all over all over the house. So it's uh, I have a very understanding wife. She knows that this mm -hmm. is good for me. She sees what the what the benefits have been for me. Um, she's very understanding. And if she 
if she didn't, or sometimes she'll say, Hey, you need to pick up all your, your stuff and, and I'll move mm-hmm. it, you know, cause of course uh, she lives here too, but, um, <laughs> really lucky, really lucky to be able to do what I do, um, just kind of wherever I need to do it. Yeah. Which it also limits, it limits, limits what I can do too, though. For sure. I mean, that's, that's very true. I know, I know a lot of uh, makers and miniature artists, whatever that, you know, either work on their kitchen table and just clear it out every day or, um, you know, have, I know some people that work out of like a closet and they just yeah. close it when they're done. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, city and, folks, city folks, and that's a thing, like, in New York. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Like when we used to do the other podcast together, um, once before we were recording, she sort of showed me around and I was like, wow, you're literally sitting in a closet. <laughs> and she's like, yep. Yep. And, uh, Cludio. Yeah, the Cludio. Um, <laughs> but it's, you know, like the workspace is super important. Um, but at yes. the end of the day, again, like I was saying, I know tons of people that work from their kitchen table or, you know, work from a, a, a small corner in a bedroom. I would say probably most people that do this as a hobby don't have a dedicated area. Yeah. Um, and is that something like, sort of, you know, let's say there's no limitations, no whatever. Is that something you would want? I actually do have a kind of a dedicated area. Um, I have a shed in my backyard that I purpose built right at the beginning of of the pandemic. I have an eight foot by 15 foot tough shed. I call it Shed Zeppelin. (laughs) I even have a sign that says Shed Zeppelin. (laughs) Have you ever seen a picture of me standing outside with like a logo sign? And I'm, that's, that's my shed. And I built that with the thought that I would, that's where I would do most of my work. I would set it up. I've got shelving. It's really nice setup in there, but I just miscalculated how much um, more hands-on my son was going to need me to be. So that mm-hmm. kind of right now it's kind of in, in flux. It's kind of a messy storage area right now that I, I hope to repurpose. I might, I might eventually retire and build a big model train layout out there or something. But um, I, I do have I do have directly behind me. There is a spare bedroom that has uh, supplies, a, a couple of laser cutters, uh, 3D, 3D printers. So I do have some dedicated areas that are kind of like no go zones. You're just not always else. working in the in the same spot every day. That's basically what it is. Correct. Okay. Yeah. And do you have? Um, I'm just curious because like I'm I'm so the opposite of that. So. Because I'm thinking if I was in that situation, I would probably have some sort of like a mobile like tool cart right? that I could just sort of like wheel to like, okay, today I'm working in the kitchen. I'm going to wheel right. it to the kitchen and it has like drawers and it has right. all my stuff on it. Yeah. Do you have something like that? I do. I And I have a little, just right next to this desk, I have some storage cabinets and I have storage in the other room. But really, um, I try to only take out what I absolutely need to be working with at that at that time. Mm-hmm. And um for me, it's really hard because I never know when I'm going to be able to actually sit and work with my son. Mm-hmm. Like like last night, we were we were up. I'm running on about three hours of sleep. So normally, like today, instead of working or doing the podcast, I would be sleeping. This is like my I go to bed when he goes to school. So I don't have a whole lot of. I would be far more productive and better at what I do if I had those kind of dedicated spaces and tools and things. Um, I do have a little bit of a system, but it's not anything anybody could decipher, and I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend it to anybody else because it, it it works for me, but it's kind of yeah. kind of controlled chaos, which is how my life is. 
yeah in a way i kind of i appreciate your work more knowing your situation where you don't have a dedicated space and you are working one day in the kitchen and one day in the shed and one day in a spare bedroom and yeah. you know um because i feel like a lot of people you know they'll see like you know a shop like mine and they'll be like oh well if i had a shop like that then you know my right. work would look like this and a lot of people right. sort of make these excuses and i feel like you're sort of you could be the poster boy for why that's not true mm -hmm. well, you know you. or like city folk who's going to be on the podcast soon and she was on my other podcast she works out of a closet right right and, and she does incredible work yeah and she's done stuff for like major studios and stuff like that like there's oh, yeah. literally there's no excuse like is having a big shop an organized shop and all these things yeah. useful is it productive 100 percent. yeah no one would tell you otherwise um i've seen a, a shift in my productivity just by expanding my shop and now being able to have my laser cutter and my sort of messy tools and stuff all in the same space. And mm -hmm. my my office, like computer desk is now also in the same space. Right. Like just that for me was a game changer. Um, when I first started, uh, I had a room in my basement, which was like a second living room slash like office. Mm -hmm. So I had like my office in the corner. There was like a couch and a TV. Um, and then I took sort of the other corner that was left and I had one of those um, basically like the cheapest workbench you can get that has mm -hmm. like the little pegboard and like right. I think it was like 250 bucks at the time maybe right. probably 350 now right um, made of metal but kind of like rickety like it was never really it solid the, that dark blue harbor freight workbench no but it's similar okay. um, but that was my workbench when I started and it was in like a, like I said, like an extra bedroom in the basement. Yeah. It wasn't in the garage or anything like that. Um, I eventually went from there when I decided to do it full time. Uh, I took over my garage, which took some negotiation. Um, I took over my garage and, and even then, like I didn't have the whole garage. Um, I, I had a bunch of like shelves with like storage for like, you know, our suitcases and right. Just, you know, Christmas tree and all that stuff. Right. That people put in their garage. Um, and then when I moved here, I went from a garage to about, I'm looking at it now, it's maybe, I would say 10 feet by nine feet. Mm -hmm. um, and it was like, um, I mean, the, the previous owner had it as like a little bit of a workshop. Right. Um, but it's like most of the walls are concrete, so it's super hard to like hang things and... Right and all that stuff but that was my shop up until recently and i sort of broke the wall into the spare bedroom in the basement and mm -hmm. turned it all into one big space yeah and for those that are unaware i do have a video on that sort of remodel and expansion i'm gonna link it below um if you're watching this on youtube that is even like the desk behind me that i have signs sitting on a lot of times it just kind of becomes a catch-all it's like i'll be get my the stuff whatever i'm working on i'll be at the kitchen table and then it's like, oh, it's you know almost five. My wife's almost home. Scoop everything up and dump it on the table. And when I come back to work on it tomorrow or next week, if my schedule doesn't allow it, I have to kind of reinvent the wheel. I would be far more productive. I say that. I, I think I would be far more productive uh, if the situation were, were different. But I'm 
you know, I'm I'm getting older and I'm not going to be able to do this for a whole lot longer. I've got some vision issues that I've been dealing with for about seven or eight years that are mm-hmm. starting to get a little worse. Um, so I've, I, you know, I, I'm not going to dedicate too much time and effort to infrastructure right now. I just, I want to, I want to make pieces while I can make pieces and, and, for sure. you know, make, make art while I can. So you're in a different situation than most people. And right. you're from what I'm understanding and correct me if I'm wrong, you know, a lot of, people that do this uh, obviously a lot of them are hobbyists and a lot of them their goal would be like oh my god if i could do this full time you right. know right and in your case is like i just want to do it enjoy yeah. it because maybe one day i won't be able to and I, that's i respect that and that's one of the things that i um that kind of keeps me going in this is that i don't have to do it i'm fortunate enough that i don't have to do it um, you know, I make some pretty good money on, on the pieces that I, that I sell and that finances, if anybody follows me on, on social media, I do get out of the house every once in a while and I'll go on the trip to the Bay area or LA or, or Las Vegas mm-hmm. for a couple of days and sightsee. But this really kind of finances that, and those types of things are what keeps me charged and, and ready to go for when my son needs me at all hours of the night for a month straight, you know? So this is, uh, but the my favorite thing about what I do is that the minute that I have decided I'm done is I can be done with it. I, there there's, I'm doing it because I enjoy it. I'm not doing it because I, I have to, of course I have commitments to people that I'm making commissions for and I have deposits and I have, you know, almost a, I have, I'm booked almost out through the rest of the year, which is a very mm-hmm. fortunate place to be. But I can also say, you know what, that's it. I'm when they, when these are done, I'm done, because life lately has been getting really increasingly difficult with with my son, and that's I'm very lucky that I'm not in a position where I'm trying to make this a career. This is strictly for the uh, for for the enjoyment of it. Um, mm-hmm. It's taken me some really incredible places. I've met some really amazing people. I've had a lot of. It's really kind of opened up my world. Um, you know, I, that I've started doing specifically signs as miniatures, it has opened me up to the sign community itself. And I now have some really, really great friends, some of the best friends I've ever had in my life. I've met because of my art and the people that I, I go out and I do things with almost entirely are people that I've met in like the last five years since I started doing this. So it has really, really changed my life. And if I stop making signs tomorrow, those friendships don't end. Those people are still in my life. I, I still have all the things that I have gained from this without the stress of actually doing it. So it's, I don't know, I have a, I, I have a, I'm fortunate to be in this position. That's interesting. You know, and that, and that's, and that's, so I'm, at one point, I'm trying to build an audience. I'm trying to do things that, that, a working artist should do, but also in the back of my mind, I think uh, it's not in the grand scheme of things. It's not super important to me. Um, I've posted once on my Instagram in a month, and that was a reel from um, one of my friends who brought a sign for me, the Frontier sign from Las Vegas. I reposted mm-hmm. her reel. It's the first thing I posted on my actual page itself in about a month, just because um, I've gotten tired of trying to chase the algorithm and trying to trying to tried to decipher all of that i've just kind of i've kind of just kind of 
let that all go. And what's funny is now I'm finally starting to pick up followers at a pace that I haven't had in, in a couple of years. And it's like, oh, I don't even, I shouldn't post anything anymore because I'm worried that I'm going to jinx it and, and mess up the algorithm by posting something. So it's, it's kind of nice to not, not be too worried about that. If there's anything I've learned about the algorithm is that it's, it's a mystery. And, and um, that's, and that's the thing is you've got such a, a, a gigantic following. And I, I, I don't know if, are you familiar with like Jimmy Dresta, Bob Claggett, the, the, yep. the baking it guys, mm -hmm. you know, I've, I've met all three of them. I consider, I consider them friends, but, um, mm -hmm. you know, I'll listen to the, them talking about Instagram and YouTube and growth. And those guys do it for a living at a very high level. And they're still guessing. Like they don't, they yep. don't know exactly what's going on with the algorithm. So how's a, a, a schlub like me going to figure it out? My theory is I don't even think Instagram knows. You're probably right. Like it, it's, you know, I know the only thing I figured out is that if something does well, the first like X amount of hours or minutes, mm -hmm. right. Instagram will show it to more people. Yeah. That's one thing I've noticed right off the bat and right. Instagram doesn't hide that they, that's right. part of their open sort of open source of how things work. So if you post something and for example, if I on average the first hour get 2000 views you normally, know. and then I'll post something and in the first hour it gets 5,000 views. Well, Instagram is going to be like, Oh, people like this. Mm -hmm let us show it to more people right that's what's happening with me now and that just multiplies over time you know my my days of trying to go viral or or kind of behind me i i made an effort <clears throat> in 2022 i started dabbling in projection mapping and mm -hmm. um there's an artist named craig winslow who does installation art like he will uh, go into a city and there'll be a mural on the side of a building and he will use projection mapping to bring it to life. He will bring ghost signs, old signs from the early 1900s that are faded on the side of a brick building. He will set up a permanent art installation where at night it lights up and you can see that ghost sign as it looked back in the day. And he will even put like information almost like in a museum with a card that tells about the art yep. and the artist. Well, Craig did a thing in Las Vegas at the, the Neon Museum, shout out to them, yes, um, a show called Brilliant. And people, would, if you've been to the museum, you see they have the boneyard with the, most of the signs mm -hmm. lit up and people walk around. Well, there's another yard adjacent to it with a bunch of signs and none of them are lit. They are completely sure. dead. But there are these columns set up in the middle, these giant columns with projectors inside them. And it is a 360 projection map experience set to music but all of these old pieces of vegas signs come to life with projection mapping it is all that's amazing just projected onto the things and when i first went there i got inspired to try that on my miniatures to actually buy a projector learn how to projection map and um i did it i did it on my moon motel sign behind me um it's a it's kind of a space age sign for those folks that are just listening yep. And then the circus liquor sign, if you've ever been uh, to North Hollywood, Los Angeles, you're familiar with the giant clown on the corner of the liquor store. Um, I projection mapped with those signs. And I thought to myself, kind of, uh, uh, I don't know if there's a little bit of ego, but I thought, well, this is going to be the thing that goes viral. If in, nothing that I've done to this point has gotten 
much traction when I do this projection mapping on my little signs. This is going to be the thing. I wasn't at 10,000 followers at the time. I thought mm -hmm. this is going to be the thing that gets me over that hump and gets me to 20 or 30. This is the thing mm -hmm. that I'm going to do to differentiate myself. And I did it and I did it well. And it, and it looks amazing and it fell flat. It was really, it, it was uh, the, the biggest, the biggest, um, return other than my sign friends like the people who know me and who know how much work i put into my signs other than those folks and the support i got everybody else just said oh you light up your signs now okay i want this one and they're sending me these incredibly ornate neon signs that they think that i'm actually wiring and lighting and yeah. instead and instead of kind of catching on fire I'm spending all day explaining to people what projection mapping is. And the reaction is kind of, and the, and the reaction is kind of like, Oh, so you don't light up your signs. No, no, I don't. And then they're, they're gone. Yeah. And so the, the, I, the best advice I can give you when it comes to something like that is, um, and I, and I'm guilty of it. This is why I've learned this. And this is why I tell people is don't ever shoot something, make something, build something, with the thought of like, oh, I'm going to do this and it's going to go viral or well, or you think it's going to go. And I can tell you, and I've said this many, many times, every post that I have made that has gone viral. If you would have asked me before, like to bet money, like, is this going to go viral? I right. would have never bet money. I would have bet yeah. zero dollars. Yeah. Um, most of the time, it's like my in progress uh, mm -hmm. videos. Like yeah. I just had one. Um, hit a million but and it was the little door from my my Marty McFly house and it was right. just the door in my hands right like nothing special like right. it had the back to the future music yeah. um, and I'm just like really I'm like I posted this that day because like I'm like oh man I didn't post anything today I'm like let me right. just post this door right and it was like a second thought it was it was even more of like oh I probably shouldn't it's just a Ooh. door you know yeah and boom a million views how like i don't understand <laughs> well my 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 original goal in in doing the projection mapping wasn't to quote like go viral it was once i once i had you just thought it, it would once i perfected yeah. it and once i saw how good it looked i thought well this this is this is the this is my biggest accomplishment as an artist is getting this little sign with these little signs to look like the real deal and fooling people in photos and video mm -hmm. but you know and that that's fine to be honest i i couldn't um i have a hard time dealing to, like with responding to comments as it is so it's almost kind of like a blessing that i don't have anything where i've got thousands of comments to deal with because it's just yeah it's overwhelming um i did do a, a live display of my projection mapping um i actually took my moon motel sign and my projector and i took it on the road and i set up I set it to music. I animated it for about three months at my kitchen table. I, when you projection map, you can't really move your pieces. Once you get them set up, if you tweak it just a little bit, everything is off. So I had it locked in with chains and rods. And again, very understanding why she let me do it this, this whole summer of 2022. I got it set up in Glendale at a museum of neon. It's called the Museum of Neon Art. Mm -hmm. So I'm in a, a building surrounded by this amazing restored neon they've got the chinese theater from la they've got um pieces of art uh just neon just incredible place but i'm there in the corner with my moon motel sign 
doing its thing. It's lit up. It's it's kind of dancing to the music. And the people, my friends who showed up, the people who know me and who know, who know how much work I put into it, all showed up and watched it from beginning to end. It was set to the song Blue Moon, kind of the oldies song. Mm-hmm. Watched it, appreciate it, loved it, took pictures, talked about it. And it was great because they knew that amount of work I put into it. But to the people who showed up to the museum who didn't know me from anybody, who don't know what I do, don't know about my miniatures, they just walked up and went, oh, okay, and and walked off. Because, of course, if you're in a neon museum with everything lit up, of course the little sign's going to light up too. There was no mm-hmm. there was no question about how I did it or no appreciation of it. Yeah, some people don't know how things are made, right? So, like, yeah. if they don't, you know, and... and we were, I was, I was talked about this actually almost every podcast, um, just because it's, it's always the hot topic, but we're kind of in an age where, you know, there's so much 3d printed stuff. There's so much laser cut stuff. There's so much whatever. And I think there's this general, um, misunderstanding that creating these things is easy. Right. And and it's, you know, for people like you and me, it's very frustrating. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to name names, but, you know, someone recently that I was talking to that I know in, in real life, you know, I showed them one of my pieces and they're like, oh, your machine did that? Yeah. And yeah. it's so hard to not, like, lose your shit. Yeah. Um, and, you know, my answer was, well, my machine cut some of the pieces that I right. designed and told right. it to cut. Right. Uh, and this particular thing that you're looking at has no 3D printing at all. Is- um, but it's, it's just that, you know, and again, I try not to take it personal. I try not to get frustrated. But that's the world we live in now. You know, it's, it's the same like if you were a graphic designer and someone saying like, oh, is that AI? Yeah. Like it's, they don't real, like people, like the general public that is not in this world does not understand the level of insult that that is to, to an artist. But you, but I understand at the same time, right? Like, yes. That reminds me, you mentioned the tested video that I did and that's coming up on in May. It'll be two years since I did that. But when that video came out, um, I was looking at the comments on the tested page, just, you know, fielding any questions that anybody might have directly for me. And there was someone who chimed in that said, oh, he lost me when he said digital design. Because I mentioned the, the phrase, I do a, I, to Norm, I said, I do a lot of digital design. And he mm-hmm. said, oh, you lost me when you said digital design. Um, this was, you know, the, that tested video was like, you know, like a life highlight, man. That was like, never thought in a million years that would ever happen. Never felt worthy of it, sure. even when it did happen. One of the things that that people, I sometimes I'll put a little video of me like working, like a time lapse of me actually yeah. working with images, and I have people say, "What in the world are you using to do your design work?" And uh, I'm looking over here on on, on the a shelf next to me over here. I have a Silhouette Cameo vinyl cutter. This is my second mm-hmm. one. I bought one eight or nine years, seven or eight years ago, maybe. I was before I did signs I was making autism awareness jewelry and I started learning how to run a vinyl cutter um that's when I actually first started using a laser because I made some wooden pendants I had the old k40 laser but I learned how to use the design software the silhouette studio 
software. And if you upgrade it to the business edition, you can export SVG files from it. Mm -hmm. And so I spent a hundred bucks and I upgraded it to export SVGs. And so now every bit of my design work that I do is done in software that's meant to run a laser cutter, or not a, a vital cutter, a hobby okay. level. And I don't, occasionally I will go into Inkscape. Like if I need to send something off to uh, send cuts into the metal, the place that does like yep. metal laser cutting, I'll go into yep. Inkscape and convert a file to like a DXF or whatever it is they need. But other mm -hmm. than that, I, I work strictly in Silhouette Studio Business Edition. And it sure. is, it, and you know, that that's not, I don't know anybody else who works like that, but it works for mm -hmm. me. I know that I, I can, everything you've seen me make has gone through that that program. I, so I don't have a graphic design background. I, I have a mechanical background and that's kind of how I approach my work. Now, one thing I wanted to ask you and, and covering you sort of briefly mentioned it. Um, I, I, one of the reasons why I love your work is anytime I have a project that has a sign in it mm -hmm. or a marquee or anything like that, those always tend to be like my favorites. I just yeah. love doing signage. And again, yeah. I come from a graphic design background, so right. old signage and new signage, like it's always been interesting to me. Right. Um, and honestly for a while, uh, up until I saw your videos, I was going to like shift my my sort of business model and be like, you know what? I'm just going to make signs. Mm -hmm. And then I saw yours and I was like, ah, you know what? I, I don't like stepping on people's toes. You know, when people step right. on mine, I don't like it. I One thing I always try and do is add the lighting yeah. to my signs. Right. And I was wondering, have you ever done it? And if you haven't or don't, why is that? Um, when I first, first, first started doing tinkering with signs in 2017, one of the first things I did was buy some EL wire on Amazon. I bought mm -hmm. it and it was just the cheap stuff. You get like five rolls of it for nine bucks and it's, you yeah. know, it's, it's fairly thick. It's like an, almost like an eighth of an inch uh, mm -hmm. diameter. And I started tinkering with it. And one of the first things I noticed about it was the whinings, the noise, the, the horrible screech yell wire is garbage i have uh thank you i have um tinnitus i was an aircraft mechanic in the military and civilian world so i have a, and i was a drummer so i have i have constant ringing in my ears and that just the tinnitus just makes it worse but i didn't like the way that it looked um when it wasn't lit i thought well this looks kind of yeah, it's just like a clear thick, tube thick and cheap well some of them are clear one of them one of the ones that i used was like a fluorescent orange color Okay. Um, and so I thought, okay, well, this isn't great, but let me, let me go online. I found some like the 0.9 millimeter from that, uh, that cool wire .com. It's like a website that sells EL wire. So I bought, mm -hmm. I've spent several hundred dollars on that stuff and I've tinkered with it and it looks great when it works, but to kind of do the neon. It also the doesn't bend very well. It does not bend very well. I, I was halfway stringing the, you know, a big letter and it just, I, I broke the little coil wire that goes around and it died right at that spot. And so I, being an aircraft mechanic, uh, having that mechanical background, uh, built-in failure points are, are a big, yeah. that's a big red flag for me. I do not like. Now, if it were something I was making for myself, for my own collection, where there's zero stakes, I'll throw EL wires in something and and do my best to like make it make it work. 
Mm-hmm. If someone is commissioning a piece from me and I put a whole bunch of cheap EL wire kind of crappy stuff in it and I ship it off, you know, that stuff has a very limited shelf life. It, it's going to die somewhere between when I ship it to like the next year or two. And I don't yeah. like the idea of charging someone for all of that work for them to just be disappointed when it eventually dies. I don't want to stake my what reputation I do have on some cheap electronics. So I, I, I still, you know, every month I have people sending me links to EL wire and laser wire and all of that. And I, I've tried it all. And have I, you tried, um, led filament? That's what I use. Um, is that like the stuff yeah. that Norm <laughs> used? Norm made a sign with some led filament a while back. Um, was- I don't, I don't know. I, I, it's really hard to find. I have to buy it directly from suppliers in China. Is that the stuff? Uh, can you trim the length on that? No. Or is, okay. See that, that is, the you can't trim I- the length. You can buy it in different lengths, right? Up to, I <laughs> believe 30 centimeters. Right. Um, so what the way I use it, um, which is kind of the only way you can, since totally. you can't cut it is, um, Basically, let's say let's say you have your sign, right? Mm-hmm. And it's the word um, bar. Okay. Okay. So your B would have a hole, let's say, in the top left corner of the B. Right. And then you would have uh, another hole where, let's say, the B would end. Okay. And then, so from the inside of your sign, you would sort of fish the wire because it is like a wire. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like a. It's made of silicone. Right. It's, it's like it's, it's kind of loose like spaghetti. Yes, yes. Yeah, it's like spaghetti. You can make any shape out of it. Right. Um, and you just sort of feed it through the hole. You make your B and you put it back through the other hole. Right. Um, I've used it for a ton of signs. It works absolutely amazing. It's super bright. Mm-hmm. Um, the colored ones are even nicer. Right. Um, and it honestly like when i discovered it it made me want to do signs even more mm-hmm. uh, i had made a bar sign like as a test right um and even the scale of the the thickness of the wire is pretty much in scale with most of the signs you make mm-hmm. what you could do also is and i haven't done this but i've thought about doing it again i'll use the letter b as an mm-hmm. example you would like when you laser cut it you can laser cut a channel Let's right. say where the neon would be. Yeah. Your light would be behind that. And then when you laser cut your acrylic, which would be your quote unquote neon tube, mm-hmm. that would go over that space that you right. just cut. Right. So that would give the illusion that it's the tube that's emitting the light. Right. right. Not the not the actual LED itself. Right. Those are two ways I've thought of doing it, but mm-hmm. I tried EL one time yeah. and I was like, this is garbage. Like right away i i didn't even like i almost keep everything like mm-hmm. when i buy stuff by accident and <laughs> it doesn't work out i'm like oh it'll be good for something someday right this went straight into the trash yeah i'm like first of all the sound drives me insane mm-hmm. um and i found it dimmed i found it not flexible right um the color was not consistent throughout the the tube right um yeah, I it's one of like honestly like I don't shit on a lot of products because yeah. I'm like oh it must be good for somebody somewhere for something right. This is garbage. Yeah. Like if you've thought of using EL wire, listeners, do not. Yeah, like don't waste your money. Even if it's four dollars, buy four dollars worth of LED filament. Right now I have lit 
pieces before. I made a, uh, about two years ago, I made a, a street corner, uh, a Chinese restaurant, uh, Chinatown from New York City. I made a, um, uh, is the hotkey restaurant. And it has, as a lot of places do, you've got your sidewalk level. It has a downstairs where you can see down into the restaurant. It has a street level. And then it's in, it's in the, it's in the bottom of like a five-story brick apartment building with all the fire escapes and everything. I only made the first like floor of the bedrooms because I didn't want to make the piece five feet tall for the client. Yeah. But that has over 50 individual LED lights inside it, backlighting the signs, backlighting the windows. Um, I even made floor, little fluorescent tubes. I, uh, mm-hmm. My wife brought some, uh, my wife is a school teacher, she brought home some straws from the cafeteria, some milk straws, the little white straws that the kids yep. make milk, and uh, a three millimeter LED in each end, cut it about four inches, a three millimeter LED in each end makes a perfect little fluorescent tube for yep. light so up underneath the the awning of the place there's little forest light so i have lit one thing though is when i commissioned that piece for the client there was no lighting uh, uh, factored into the price it wasn't even in okay. the discussion i told them after i got going i really want to try and light this i can't guarantee it's going to keep working um but I'm not going to charge you for it. And if it works, it's going to look spectacular and it worked and it was fantastic, but I didn't charge for it. It was just something mm-hmm. that I wanted. I kind of wanted to prove that I could do it. Um, yeah, but I just, you know, and, and I've had people kind of get shitty with me about lighting my stuff and my neon and, um, people get real kind of shitty in the DNs over stuff like that. And, um, yeah. my, if they, if they push it a little too far, if they really, because I've had people say, "Oh, you know, you're, you're, uh, you're giving up. You're not trying." Just kind of, just kind of shitty about it. I, I tell them, you know, I've been booked solid for this is my fifth year of having just people lined up for my. But work. that's your thing. Like you, but you, it, you it, don't have it, to justify to people. You know, if your thing is like they're not lit, they're not lit. Like right. that's it. You know, and that's, like and it, that's it's, what I told them. I said, "I've, I've sold three hundred pieces that don't light up at all." So, yeah. so, you know, your argument, yeah, it'd be, it, it's kind of neat, but, um, I've, I've done pretty well without lighting them up. Why, why change that? Why put that amount of time and effort and risk into it when I don't have that amount of time and effort mm-hmm. it, to put it? It also, it also limits you. Um, you know, I, I've, I've noticed at least in my signs that I've done, and I feel like if I would do signs full time, though, you know, kind of like you do, you do signs full time, I'm going to retire. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm saying like, if all I did was signs, I feel right. like I would eventually figure out ways to solve the problems that I have now when I make signs. Right. Um, but for me, it's always lighting them is always a sacrifice. There's oh. always something some level of realism or accuracy, especially when it comes to the neons and the right. tubing and all that. Right. You're losing a little bit of that accuracy to get the light. And it yes. personally, I've noticed most people when I sort of like when someone comes to me and says like, Hey, I want you to make this for me. <laughs> my first question is like, do you want it to light up? And if they say yes, then like I give them sort of like what I call my terms and conditions, which is mm-hmm. like, I can make it light up, but just so you know, it may not look as realistic. Like the neon tube is right. not going to be made of glass or acrylic or whatever. Like it's going to look a certain way. And then I send them examples. Uh, but I have to say 99% of the time they choose having it light up 
versus mm-hmm. not. Yeah. And I just wanted to know from you. And again, like you've already justified this by saying, you know, you're, you're fully booked, not lighting your pieces. Right. How, like how often would you say like on a percentage scale, is it a deal breaker for people? Now that most people know that I don't light up my signs, it, it's very rarely even comes up. And I, when, when people ask me, Hey, can you make this sign? How much would it cost? I will tell them right, right up front, this sign, I'll make it. It'd be about 18 inches tall, this wide. It'll have this kind of base, all of these mm-hmm. different elements unlit. And I will put the word unlit in, in the description and I'll quote them a price. And it's, it's never, it's and never do really. Most of them, do most of them think that by you saying unlit, that lit is an option? You know what? I, I don't really get a lot of people asking anymore. It, it's, okay. it's kind of funny. Um, I, people, people who follow me and kind of figured out that I don't really like them. Yeah. Um, every once in a while, I'll have somebody like if someone new comes along, and says, "Oh, how much for this sign?" And I want you to light it. It's like, well, I don't, I don't light them. The 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 people who want the shiny light up sign again, my it's only my experience, but the people mm-hmm. who want it that light up also expect to get it for cheap. And it's that's actually, interesting. It, that's been my experience. I had one when I first first started um, the Welcome to Fabulous Las Vegas sign. I have one over mm-hmm. my shoulder, but if, if you, you can picture it, if you've ever seen anything with Las Vegas, they always show that sign. When I first started, somebody asked if I could make that sign for them, and I quoted them a, a price, and mm-hmm. they sent me a screen cap of a sign on Amazon, a little Welcome to Las Vegas sign that lights up. It has little lights, little LEDs that chase around it. It's about Mm-hmm. eight or nine inches tall it's fifty dollars mm-hmm. and, it, and it looks like a toy it looks like something you would buy in a in a gift shop and they said they said well this one lights up and it only costs 50 bucks can you can you even come close to that i said just buy that sign if that's if that's all you want is something that lights <laughs> up buy that sign you're not going to get that yeah. from me so there are people who appreciate what i do as as art and then the the people who who tend to want the want them light up at least again from my experience are the people who are, are also not very willing to to pay the prices that I ask for. Yeah, um, you're never it, you're never going to get the details and weathering and whatever of so right. something that's handcrafted in a mass produced thing, light or not. You know, um, I like I have to say that you know in regards to what you just said, there there are definitely sort of two camps of of people you know there's people that um they're not art buyers they are not uh you know people that have ever commissioned anything right they're people that saw something on instagram super cool you know like like bobby duke would say i won't buy it right right you know like and they just like <laughs> their impulse is just like i'm gonna message this guy and like you know how much could it possibly be it's a little something uh-huh. you know like they don't like these are people that don't really they think like impulsively, right? Um, after ten years, I can spot these people a mile away. Yeah, it's you know, it's I don't ignore them because you you never know. I don't I don't judge people or, or anything like that. You know, I give them the information and that's it. Um, I've had extremely rude people that you know I'll give them my price and they're like, you know, I'll be like, let's say whatever the project is, I'll be like, oh, it's two thousand dollars. No, and they'll right back like lol i was thinking a hundred bucks right right and my response is like instead of telling them to f off or blocking them or whatever my mm-hmm. response is like i'm like uh i'm like no problem i'm like you know i go i spent at least 200 on materials alone i go so mm-hmm. there would 
be there's there's nowhere in the universe where I could charge you a hundred dollars. Right. I said, but I'm sure there's many artists that you know that maybe can. You can yeah. maybe look, go look for them. You know. Right. Right. And um, and honestly, like I I think it's super important to be that way with people because I have had a couple of situations where I've had these people who are like, oh, 50 bucks or whatever. Mm -hmm. And they'll come back four months later and be like, you know what? Like ever since I saw your work, I've been like, you know, I subscribed to this person and that person. I've been seeing this, I've been seeing mm -hmm. that and I've been getting quotes here and there. And they sort of start to like understand the value and the work and whatever. And, um, but I have to say the last five years for me, most people that reach out, I, I don't think they're expecting it to be cheap. Um, they just reach out and I'm just like, this is my price, whatever. And they're just right. like, okay, let's do it. Like, how right. do I pay you? How do I, you know? And, and one thing I hear often, and this is not really the same topic. You always hear a, a lot of artists say commissions are open or commissions are closed or, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not taking commissions. Guilty. Yeah. And I, and I heard you say that before and I wanted to bring it up, but we, we drifted onto other topics. Um, but I wanted to talk about that and I want to talk about like why you do it. And I want to talk about why I don't do it. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you why I don't do it. I used to do it. It is. And the way I see it, and maybe I'm just too like businessy, I don't know. But mm -hmm. the way I see it is like if someone comes to me and they want work from me. Mm -hmm. And on my profile bio, it says commissions are closed until 2025. You're right. What do you think that person's going to do? Go somewhere else. They're going to go somewhere else. They're yeah. going to find somebody else. Right. And maybe they're going to become a regular for that person. Yeah. The last time I did, I closed my commissions for a year because I had a huge backlog. And I lost regular clients. Yeah. I lost huge opportunities. And the only reason I know is because some artists are honest and they reach out to me and they're like, hey, are your commissions actually closed? Because XYZ production just reached out to me. They mm -hmm. told me they originally wanted you, yeah. but your commissions are closed. Yeah. And this is after they took the job and everything, but they still ended up telling me. Right. And that's when I was like, man, like, why would I do that? You know, and then I, I, I decided to just test it out and not close my commissions and just mm -hmm. tell people this is the waiting time. Right. You take it or you leave it, yeah. you know? Cuz the thing is like if they're not if they're willing to wait, great. If they're not, I didn't lose anything. Right. And what that taught me is most people are willing to wait. That's what it's taught me. Well, one of the the there's kind of some practical reasons why I was doing it that way and the same reason why I don't not really doing it that way anymore. First off, up until December of last year, all mm -hmm. of my commissions were handled basically through my Instagram DMs. People reach out and say, hey, can you do this? Yeah, fantastic. Let's do it. Kind of real informal. I finally sat down and had a friend get my website up and running. Group9signs.com. For years, it was a Squarespace with like a picture and like a, a poorly laid out, just like a title screen. And that was it because I'm busy and I don't have time. I'm not a web designer. Even Squarespace, they make it easy. I don't know how to do that. I finally decided to take matters into my own hands and have someone, uh, one of my friends, 
design my page where there's an actual form on there now. There's an inquiry form where if anybody wants to wants to inquire about a commission, they can go through my website and I get an email with an alert. And that has kind of removed, one, it has removed the need for me to announce to the world on Instagram, hey, commissions are open or commissions are closed. Yeah. But what I have found is I'm getting more inquiries now just having like an always open inquiry form. It's not a guarantee you're going to get a spot, but it's just that reach out and ask me about signs kind of through an official channel. I'm yep. getting I'm getting two or three inquiries inquiries a week through that. Whereas on Instagram, if I, I'll open up the window and if somebody is not in the position right at that time to to bite and then a day later I shut it back down because I got two or three jobs off it, that person I may never hear from them again. But now I've kind of taken taken control over my process and I I have it open and people can reach out really to me at any time. I'm still only doing the amount of work that I can do. I'm only taking the jobs, one that I want to take, that I that I can make, but I am no longer doing the, hey, commissions are open or commissions are closed because they're, yeah. they're never full. They've never been fully closed. It's just I needed a little bit of a little bit more of a way to kind of pump the brakes and um, manage it. So that's 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 how I how I do it now. I always discourage artists from, you know, publicly saying or I see a lot of artists like it's in their bio. Yeah. Like commissions yeah. closed until X date. Like, right. Don't do that, man. Yeah. Like You have no idea what you might be missing. Like, right. don't do it. I have a hard time um, booking jobs way too far out. I have people asking about um, a chapel. It's a little white chapel from Las Vegas, and they're getting married, and they, they want the piece. Um, well, somebody asked that one. I think they wanted that piece in March. I'm like, that's I don't have enough time. But I have someone else who's getting married at the Neon Museum, and they want a version of the Neon Museum, their welcome sign but they don't want it until March of next year, March or April of next year. And that's just too far mm -hmm. out for me. I've got, I've got too many things, too many unknowns on the horizon to book a job out yeah. that far, but I've taken a little bit more ownership of my, of my process. And it has really, it started off a little slow, but it has really picked up now. And um, I'm turning, having, unfortunately I'm having to turn away a lot of jobs because they don't meet my abilities or my time schedule what's what the time that i have allowed but um i have a lot more options i have a lot more i can kind of pick and choose more what i'm doing and that has really mm -hmm. really helped that's great man and honestly the uh, back to what you were saying about having the the form on your website and all that uh, i have one as well um the form i have on my website is very detailed it asks them if they know the scale like what scale what's the project for are you a business like right. all this kind of stuff right um, and I get generally about 10 inquiries a day. Wow. Um, and I'll usually, yeah, I'll usually quote those instantly if mm -hmm. they've given me enough information. Right. Uh, but if it's something like, Hey, I'm looking to have like my grandmother's housemate or whatever, I'll just reply and be like, Hey, send me some photos, um, rough size of what you want it to be. If you right. don't know scale, right. let me know where you think. They're going to mm -hmm. put it, is it going to be on a shelf? Is it going to be on a desk? Right. So that I can decide the scale. Uh, and then I just quote them based on that. And then if they respond, they respond. If they don't, they don't. But uh, it's gone to a point where I have to dedicate a portion of every day. Yeah. 
just to go through my DMs and my emails and sort of sift out like who's serious, who's not. But right. I would say I answer almost 98% of right. the emails. Right. Well, Chris, it's been a pleasure. It's an, um, it's an honor to speak with you. I, I really appreciate it. I, uh, I, I'm, on, I'm, I'm thrilled to be the, the least qualified person you've ever had on your podcast. Uh, hardly, <laughs> hardly. It was, uh, like I said, I've been following your work for quite a while. So it was nice to get a little insight on not only your work and then how you do it, but also your, your life and how, how that affects your work. And well, um, you. I think you're a great example of, you know, there's no excuse. You know, right. and I, I hear a lot of excuses. I get a lot of excuses in my DMs, you know, like, oh, if I had this or if I had that, yeah. I could produce, you know, this and that. And, you know, look at you. You know, you, you don't have a real dedicated space. You're working from your kitchen. You're taking care of your kid. And you're still producing top-notch work. You have to be an opportunist. You have to work when you can. So yeah, um, thank you for saying that. I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, thank you again, Chris. And yeah. uh, I'm sure we'll we'll keep chatting as we do on Instagram. And, Absolutely. Uh, you keep up the good work. You're an incredible artist. Thank and, you. And, and um, love the podcast. And I can't wait to see who else you have on here. Shout out, by the way, to Rachel. You had her on from Our Little Creations. She yep. was one of the first miniaturists that I ever connected with, like way back in 2017 when she was making her Bob's Burgers miniatures. Um, yep. Scared to death reaching out into the DMs, but... Uh, she answered a lot of questions and we've become friends. We've met in person. Uh, she came to one of my events in LA, but um, just absolutely astounding, um, amazing artist. And I love what she was able to do for Christmas time. She deserves all the praise. So just a little shout out to, to her for, for being incredible. I can't wait to see where she goes with it. Thank all you right. so much. Thank you. And uh, that was episode six, everybody. We will catch you soon. Scale Talk Podcast with David Miniatures.